Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review to the channel in which you are listening to right now on that podcast app on the YouTube page. Hit the notification bell so you know when we drop new episodes. Joining me today to talk Knicks as we enter the NBA All-Star break. Officially, on a three-game win streak, are the Knicks, Alec Argento. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, Nothing. how are you? All right, bye. Doing good, man. That was a great podcast. Knicks are in sixth place, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> All right, so no, seriously, Alec Argento's here. We're going to talk about the Knicks because uh, it felt necessary. Obviously, have been more prone to putting episodes out on Wednesdays, uh, but scheduling Valentine's Day, ever heard of it? Yeah, that was on Tuesday, so that kind of messed the schedule up a little bit. But we're here with you on a Thursday. Going to try to get another episode in this week talking about baseball. Alec uh, likes talking about baseball, right, Alec? Oh, yeah. Go baseball. We're not doing that today. We're not doing that. We're talking about the Knicks, who are on a three-game streak, and I think a good place for you and I to start. Obviously, we're going to talk about the win over the Hawks, but before we do that, i got to remind you guys, i got to let you know that the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Yeah, the Super Bowl is over. Guess what? We got more sports coming up right here on DraftKings Sportsbook. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action, too. That's talking baseball, golf, MMA, of course, the NBA, college basketball, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options are endless. So right now, with the NBA kind of entering All-Star break, going to have a little time to maybe take off from the NBA, get recharged up for that post-All-Star break rest of the season, there's also tons of other stuff going on. I've been dabbling. I've been touching base with a little EPL on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and let me tell you, I don't even know that much. I don't. But there's so many options to make me feel good about the bets I'm placing on DraftKings Sportsbook. I've been doing all right. I've been doing all right. I've been taking like a little favorite, somebody who's maybe a little minus 150 action, combine it with like an over one and a half or an under three and a half, depending on how many goals these teams usually score, and maybe over seven and a half corners, get that thing up. Minus 110, plus 150, who's to say? And you're winning. EPL, Saturdays, check it out. You're going to have a good time. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Last time we spoke on this podcast, there was a little more angst in the air. There's a little bit more, um, let's, I don't want to say a misunderstanding, but more of a... mm, very mediocre feeling about this team that could lead you in any direction on any given night, whether you felt great about the team or really bad about the team. And typically in those in-between moments, you felt the in-between since the trade for Josh Hart. I don't know why I went like a little, little weird since the trade for Josh Hart. Keep it up. Super Mario Brothers movies coming out soon. You got to keep it up. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Whatever. And <laughs> since that trade, though, there has been some sort of solidification of this rotation of this lineup. So from where we last spoke, Alec, where you were being negative about Tibbs, I was being negative about Randall. We were very uneasy about what was the direction of this team, where the path was to true success. We sit here today with not a ton changing, but for some reason it feels like a ton kind of has changed. So where where are you at? I mean, I, I got to come on the pod more often and say that we got to fire Tibbs. They, they're five of their last six since since I've been on the pod. So um, I'm feeling good. I, I, I dare I say this team is going to be really scary once Mitch comes back and is, you know, he usually takes a little bit of time to get going again once he comes back from injury. But Josh Hart and, and Mitch coming in with Hartenstein playing well for the first time all year over this past, like, I don't know, seven, eight game stretch or whatever it is. Team's got guys. This team's got guys. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've mentioned a lot all year is that this team's strength is in numbers. And that almost felt untrue at points because it also felt like their main strength was in their top two. It was in Brunson. It was in Randall. And then if you want to bring Barrett into the fold, we can talk about that more as we move on here. But the true strength of this team when they are playing their best is when two or three guys from that bench unit actually make an impact. And it's undoubtable, right? You can have the Brunson 30 point games. You can have the Randall 30 point games. Those don't always mean they have wins, but when you have the 22 to 27 point game from Brunson or Randall and or Randall, and then 12 from Hart, 12 from quickly eight from Hartenstein, all of a sudden this team feels like a real team and somebody that can knock off some of the big dogs on any given night. And, you know, maybe not, we're not going to sit here and say they're ready to compete with these teams for a seven game series. We're not, we're not there yet. That's okay. But when this team is actually playing good basketball, when they had that long win streak earlier in the year where they went over double digit wins in a row, it was because of some of the other guys supporting the, uh, the Randall efforts, supporting the Brunson efforts. And Josh Hart has made it feel so much more solid. I, I texted you this the other day. I've tweeted it out to take I'd a kill word. for Josh Hart. Right? <laughs> yeah. I I'd would do more. 30 things for Josh Hart. I would eat my own toenails. I think if he asked me to, I might, I might do it if he told me to, but I texted you this the other day <laughs> that Clyde Frazier always uses the term neophyte, right? Quentin Grimes. We love him. We're big fans. You and I and the collective Knicks fan group, we are fans of Quentin Grimes and we didn't want to see him lose minutes. We didn't want to see him necessarily get pulled out of starting lineup, which he hasn't been uh, at this point in time. But it is clear to me now, Alec, that Quentin Grimes is still a neophyte to some capacity. And Josh Hart is a man, a man who may have power over me, but a man who can play <laughs> at a higher level more consistently than somebody like Grimes, who is in his second year, who's still getting up to speed to being that true three and D high level starter. Yeah, uh, I, I think that it's going to benefit him in a lot of ways. He still keeps his starting role. It digs into his minutes a little bit more, but uh, you need guys that can close out at the end of the games, right? We, we, we need more guys like Josh Hart uh, for when Randall has to go ISO at the end of the game. Josh Hart's impact in the game, whether he's on there or not. He's he's cutting correctly. He's moving without the ball. Awesome. Um, and ultimately, it's going to be really good for Grimes to grow as a player, too, uh, when you have someone like that. Because I think, I think a problem you see with RJ right now is that how does he impact the game 
when Randall and Brunson are doing their thing. And Josh Hart is how you do that, right? Quentin Grimes is hitting a wall. He's a sophomore. It happens. It was going to happen. You know, he had a really good season so far, and he'll get out of it. But he's getting more minutes than he's ever gotten in his entire career, and it hits the wall uh, eventually. So having someone like that, and also just for the vibes, I mean, everyone knows in basketball, you need to have good vibes in the clubhouse to do that. Last year, vibes were clearly not good. And the year before that, they were awesome. So it, it, it impacts it. And obviously winning helps that. But you need someone like that who can just always be constantly doing all the little things all over the place. And if Grimes loses time now, it'll benefit him in the future to do it. I, I think I, the one thing that worried me with the Josh Hart trade was that you don't know if he's going to be here next year because he's got that weird funkiness on his contract from, I, I think Griffin did it on the, when he was on the Pelicans, I guess, or whatever it was. Um, and where he's got a player option next year, but it's, it, it, but it's all non-guaranteed. So you don't know what's going to go. But the, the guy clearly wants to be here. The guy, and first of all, I mean, second of all, uh, complete masterclass on how to ingratiate yourself with New York fans. Two, three games in, just getting the entire crowd into it, just screaming expletives into the crowd. It rules. It rules so hard, and just being hard nosed defense. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it's it's great to see, and, and and I think that the team right now is gelling, and nobody's got ego checks or anything like that going on. It's just nice to see. And I have to say this too. I'm going to tell myself because there's absolutely zero reason for me to do this to throw myself under the bus here, but. I was a person who, when Josh Hart was coming into the draft and, and Knicks fans had an affinity for this guy, this was kind of when the Knicks were living in that early second round range, at least first early second range, making some picks. And, you know, people would say, you, are you like Josh Hart for the Knicks? And I'd be like, honestly, like, I don't think I do. Like what, what's special about Josh Hart? What skills does he have? That is uh, extraordinary. That's going to make him differentiate in the league. I think he's a, a lifetime backup, you know, role player at best and at worst he's an end of bench guy who's not doing anything that's honestly how i kind of felt about josh hart coming into the draft and again i don't have to tell myself i could easily say that i've always loved josh hart but it wasn't true but then watching him over the years he's been on i believe they said on the broadcast has been what four teams four, four teams six coaches yep four teams six coaches right which is pretty insane but you see him in all these different scenarios consistently doing the same things well which that tells you that no matter what the situation is, no matter how stable or unstable a franchise is, you're going to get a few things for sure from Josh Hart. And that includes absolute grinder mentality. When Whether it be offense or defense, he's going to crash the boards. He's going to rebound the hell out of the ball. He's going to defend well. He's going to get in the passing lanes. He's going to help teams get out in transition. Like that all comes from his grinder mentality. All of those things are, are fantastic. And then the shooting is not always the best but he can shoot a little bit. So you can expect at least decent pro level shooting from Josh Hart. And then where he shocks people, I think consistently is his ability to be, you know, a tertiary creator. When he catches the ball at the top of the key, he's not shoot or bust. He can put the ball on the ground and he can make a little floater. He can make a little spin, finish some layups with, uh, with decent contests around him. So those three things right there from Josh Hart, no matter how stable or unstable a franchise is going to be, you're going to get that with maximum effort every night. And, you know, you saw it in his time in L.A., you saw it in his time in New Orleans, you saw it a little bit this year in Portland. But now with the Knicks being in our backyard, seeing him just for a few games, it feels evidently clear that we're going to get that every single night from Josh Hart. And I don't know if that means, Alec, that he should be pushed into the starting lineup. I don't know if that means he should be a forefront on the closing lineup. But I know for a fact when he's in the game, I feel really good about the position he's playing. Yeah, 
a couple things. Josh Hart's good, right? Like he's the type of guy that you don't realize how good he is unless you're watching him, but he passes the eye test with like flying colors, right? On top of that, you mentioned something before about how he was uh, uh, the broadcast was talking about how he was traded a bunch of times. They also mentioned that who he was traded for, right? He's in trades for Anthony Davis, CJ McCollum. Like you have to give up good players to get good players, right? So he's around the league. He's not like some journeyman that you don't know where he's going. Teams want him. That's that's why he moves around is because he he's wanted in the league. Um, he's kind of like in that range of being like good enough to to get traded for someone good but not good enough to hold on to him when you can get someone better right like you know what I, I mean? guess but if, but if anthony davis and cj mccollum are on the table like yeah you give up you give That's up a good card for it yeah you know it's clearly not a, a level player like that but he's so solid enough everywhere else that a team's gonna say yeah we want all your picks but we also want josh hart by the way <laughs> You know, yeah, but I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a throw in. That's what I'm saying. No, like, I think, no, yeah, we want, yeah. Right? Like, we want Josh Hart. I didn't mean like, Oh, can you throw him in with those picks? Like, no, no, no. The picks are, are good, but we also want him. Like that's, a, that's a thing. And another thing that I noted, like, you, you know, he's a role player. Yes. But the Knicks are, the Knicks always need role players who know their role, right? That's important because you have role players who think they're not role players or people who step into the wrong role and don't want to change their game. The Knicks are, becoming a team that has two stars on this team. I don't know if it's going to stay forever. This year, they have two stars. Uh, Jalen Jalen Brunson is a top five uh, point guard in the East for sure. Uh, arguable, you can make the case for, for the, you know, in the league this year. I'm not saying in general, but guys put, averaging 30 points in, in the new year since 2023 started. He's averaging 30 points a game with no turnovers, Great for he could be next year if he keeps up like he's done his entire life in basketball, progressing and getting better and better. He could be, uh, you know, a, a 50, 40, uh, a 90 guy out there. And and I, it's hard to look at him and say, like, oh, that guy's a superstar because he's so, you know, he's so undersized and everything like that. The dude rocks. So you need guys around him and Randall who have this awesome connection who can buy into their role and know exactly what to do and just play super physical 110 percent um you know effort every game which is again why you see rj struggling i think is because he doesn't want to change his game to be that kind of thing so having people like josh hart seeing that that can contribute to winning should hopefully get other people who are struggling or you know not fitting the system super well to kind of buy in and then the people that end up getting relegated to the bench too you know miles mcbride uh jericho sims when when mitch comes back this is how you learn. You need good vets like this around in front of you to show you how to be better. And then when they eventually need to get starting roles or bench roles in the league or whatever it is, you have that kind of mentality there and you know how, what it takes to win. Everyone wants winners on their team. They want people who have won championships in, 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 uh, in, in NCAA. They want people who have won championships in the NBA. It matters. Like it really matters to a team. And, and his way of being so calm in those moments is something that we're just so not used to part of the negativity that we spoke about on last podcast, where we talked about the Knicks was with Julius Randall's late game decision-making inability to make the right play. And we've seen this at Randall before where late in games, it's not as simple for him when the whistle gets a little bit tighter and it's not as easy for him to get to his spots. It's not as easy for him to get a call and make that right pass out of a double like Jalen Brunson adds that dynamic ability to get his own shot, get shots for others calmly on the court. He does it all the time. And, and Wally Zerbiak was saying it on the broadcast tonight or yet, last night when you're, when you're listening to this, 
It's like this is the guy who they needed so desperately last year when things were going so terribly. And not saying Jalen Brunson on the team last year makes them anything more spectacular than what they were. But clearly what we're seeing this year is that he does add an insane component of being consistently good, right? Like he's not consistently awesome. He's not scoring 30 points a night, but he's damn near getting close. And over the last 10 games, he, he is scoring 30 points a night. Yeah, <laughs> literally over the last 10 games, he is scoring 30 points a night. Now, do we expect him to do that for the rest of the season? Probably not. But the way that he just navigates the court adds so much comfort to this team and so much consistency to this team. Something that we're just not used to as Knicks fans. Like as a Knicks fan, Alec, what do you even, what do you look back on uh, from a time that you felt comfortable watching the offense? 2012, 2023. I right. mean, even, even two years. Yeah. Top three, top five player. Even two years ago, they didn't have this kind of steadiness uh, on the team. And and I, I just don't having Brunson be there to be the guy that makes the shots at the end of the game, the guy that makes the right reads, the guy who doesn't get rattled. I mean, they're in every game, even, even 90% of their losses this year, even when they were losing, you know, in, in this really tough stretch against like the Clippers and the Mavs and the Lakers, these are like OT losses. These are buzzer beater losses, right? So when you get a Josh Hart, when you get a Mitch back, like those start becoming wins, right? You know, like when you're in the minors and you're hitting a bunch of doubles and they're like in a, in a couple of years, they put on some mu- some muscle, they're going to hit, those are going to be home runs. That's what this is. When you start adding pieces like this, you just need little, pe- like little moves here and there, these fringe moves that are the right moves to put you over the edge. So having that and then having that instant like camaraderie and connection that he has together, that, that they have together, it's, it's completely upended the dynamic of the team where they previously it was, Hey, we're getting to the end of these games. We're going to lose these games. Now it's when we're in a tight game, we have a good shot at winning and we're starting to blow people out for the first time all year. Like this is, this hasn't happened. And I, I, again, I can't understate, uh, overstate this enough. Their, the schedule was the, by far the hardest uh, part of this year for them. Uh, they got out of it. They got out of it with a winning record. They've increased their lead. They have now the best remaining strength of schedule between the uh, the Heat, the Nets, uh, the uh, Raptors, and the uh, Hawks. So they got out. Of, they previously going into the stretch, they had the toughest one. Now they come out and they kind of control their own destiny with three games left against the uh, the Heat as well, and I think one game left against the Nets. So, right, which are Pretty. which are all huge. Yeah, that's all huge, and. So go back to your Jalen Brunson point about uh, amongst point guards here. I did a quick tally. I can only uh, navigate NBA.com to, to register by guards, not point guards. So just doing some quick numbers here. If you count Luka Doncic and Donovan Mitchell as point guards, he's 10th in scoring for point guards in the league. If you don't count them as point guards, he's eighth. So that's across the NBA. Amongst point guards, he's the top 10 scorer amongst all point guards. And he's in the category right now with people like De'Aaron Fox, who's playing at an all-star level, um, Trey Young, who obviously puts up crazy numbers, Kyrie, John Morant, Steph, who are obviously a little bit closer to 30 than he is. He's efficient, too. He's so efficient. Right. Like, he he takes 17 and a half shots per game, and you go up to John Morant, you know, Steph Curry, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Dame Lillard, they're all at 20 shots a game. So it's a few more shots a game to get those few more points. He doesn't shoot as many threes. And the best thing about it is that he doesn't shoot threes because he doesn't have to. And, and you see some point guards out there who feel like they have to shoot eight threes per game. And he never feels like that. He really shoots them when he can. And when he feels like he he has the open look. Well, or you need that on the makeable look. 
but you need him to not over rely on the threes on this Knicks team. You need him to have that dynamicism that he has. You need him to be able to penetrate. You need him to be able to work in the post. You need him to be able to kick out. You need him to be able to keep threes because it keeps the entire the, the entire defensive unit uh, on their toes, right? And he's working good point guard defenders too. Like he worked uh, Drew Holiday easily. Like he kind of just destroyed him out there. Paul George was on him in those Clipper games, and he, uh, you know, not the entire game obviously, but he was on him a good deal, and he was working him too. He's just he's doing this against really good defenders and really bad defenders, and that's like the the superstar aspect that we we need. He's not there yet, obviously, but he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there in two years because of that that, that kind of mentality. I mean, the fact that he wasn't an All Star this year even if it doesn't bother him that much, it definitely bothers him to a point where, you know, you'd like to be recognized for the amazing play that you put in on the court. Every yeah. single day. he should have been an all-star, you know, and, and that, I don't think that's Nick's bias. I think that's a lot of people around the league and on NBA Twitter saying, damn, Brunson didn't make the all-star team. My guy's averaging, you know, 24 points, six assists with like minimal turnovers. Like he's doing everything that he possibly could on a team. That's, that's a, that's a winning team above 500. Right. And the standings is something else we can talk about in a minute here. But on, to, to finish up on the Brunson front, you're right. Part of his job is to allow the Grimeses and the Barretts and the Quickleys and the Toppins to get those open looks. And that's where the three-pointers come. On a game like tonight, I didn't see the final number. I could probably pull it up here. When I checked there in the fourth quarter, they were shooting like 21% or 29. I think maybe it was 29% from three. They didn't even have a good three-point shooting game, yet they were incredibly efficient on offense. And it was large in part to Jalen Brunson just getting good looks and using that shiftiness. And one of the things that it's it's easy to compare him to another lefty, but I, I don't think this is a lefty thing. This is a, a pacing thing. It reminds me of James Harden a little bit when James Harden was really, really a master of slowing down and speeding up, right? His acceleration and deceleration were the biggest components to him getting these looks that he got. And obviously the Harden thing went off the wall with, you know, how many shots he was taking and et cetera. But just to that fact of, of playing at his own pace, Luka Doncic is another guy that comes to mind. You're, they're not the fastest guys on the court by a long shot, right? Jalen Brunson might be like the fifth, sixth fastest guy on the yep. Knicks, right? But but he's still blowing by people because of his pace, because of his understanding of how to uh, speed up, how to slow down, and how to work angles. And he gets to his spots. It's really impressive. And it doesn't feel fluky in the slightest bit, Alec, which is really awesome because there was a world where he comes out firing, which he didn't necessarily come out like crazy hot for the Knicks. Like he had good games early in the season for sure, but it wasn't like, oh my God, Jalen Brunson's going to average 30 this year or 30 for, for a month and a half, right? Like we didn't think that. Now for a full over half of a season, we're seeing this consistency. Yep. It's like, yo, all right. No, this is not just the thing that Knicks, can't, Knicks fans can say after two weeks that this is the best free agent signing that we've had in 20 years. This is literally the best free agent signing we've had in, in, in maybe a franchise's history, right? Like that's how serious this is at this point. I I see that around, right? I see people saying that all the time. I, I don't think you can say that and because of Julius Randle, what he did to turn around this franchise. That was more impactful. You don't get a Jalen Brunson unless you have a Julius Randle. Like I know, I know, <clears throat> I know last year was a, was a down season. It wasn't a terrible season. It was terrible by expectations and everything like that, but he literally turned this franchise around him and tips like together. And then this is the way the league works, right? You, you get someone good, you get a good foundation, you build upon it. People want to play with you. And next time there's a free agent. I know that we've been saying this as Knicks fans forever. 
this is now a free agent destination. It, it wasn't before, right? It wasn't, nobody wanted to come and just play with Julius Randle and get a fluky four seed here and there, right? They wanted to come and uh, either you had someone who doesn't come around who wants to be a messiah, doesn't happen. We've been waiting for that for 30 years. Or you get somebody who thinks, hey, the vibes there are cool. Y'all are winning and I want to be a part of that and you can pay me. That's how you do it here. <laughs> And and now the idea of some messiah coming in, right, is not saying to himself, oh, I now have to show up and carry this franchise back to relevancy. This team is on the brink of real Eastern Conference relevancy already, right? Like they're not obviously a top four team in the East right now. I know what you're, I know your look. I see your look. They're not a top four team in the East right now. They are five games behind. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a lot of room to grow to get to that point. I, I see your face, and I'm not allowing it just yet. But now that new person that you're you're alluding to, that Knicks fans are alluding to, doesn't have to see a team that say, oh, I have to drag them from 10 to 4. I can put them from 6 to 3, 6 to 4, and that's a reasonable amount of expectation for anybody, whether it be someone as the caliber of Kevin Durant or you know someone on the lesser end that's still an all-star level player. Who that player is, is not made itself very clear yet. You know, I don't think it's a Bradley Beal. I don't think it's a Zach Levine. I'm very happy they didn't go that route at the trade deadline. Um, but whoever that person may be, which we know they show up on in the NBA all the time, you know, that's a realistic opportunity now. Um, moving on from Brunson, I do want to talk RJ Barrett because he's probably the biggest point of contention amongst Knicks fans at this point. Uh, Alec, would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. So the thing with him is very strange. And we, and we spoke about it last time. Like there are these moments, there are these full games. There are these weak stretches where he's attacking the rim. He's hitting some jump shots. He's scoring 20 points a game. He's averaging 20 points a game on the season, but there are these other points in time where it feels like he doesn't quite mesh with what they're trying to do, or he tries to kind of go rogue a little bit to, 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 to get his, which doesn't really feel like his personality, but his on court personality does lean into that. And maybe it's a little bit of him feeling left out uh, because uh, Brunson and Randall are getting all the hype and the all-star buzz. And, and he's not, cause he's not there yet. I don't know what it is, but that's the biggest contention point. Should he be in the starting lineup? Should he be a mainstay in the closing lineup, which is probably a bigger question than the first one. And, and I'm stuck there, Al. Like, what do you think about RJ Barrett? I had some people on Twitter uh, my boy Mark's Mike Mike Sarn telling me that he thinks Barrett needs to be pulled from the lineup. Like, and that's something that Knicks fans can't do that. I, I think that it's tough to do so. I think the first step would be segueing into Josh Hart as the closer over RJ Barrett. And if that's going really, really well, you can think about it. But I can't imagine this team and can't imagine Tom Thibodeau pulling the trigger on Barrett yet. You you have you you can do the closing lineup. They've, they've already been doing that. Your closing lineup is very clear at this point. It's, it's Randall Barrett quickly Hart, and uh, Mitch when Mitch is back uh, and Hartenstein's been there. You can't, the way this league works, you, you can't bench RJ Barrett because you need to, he's your biggest trade asset. Even though he's down, he's still your biggest trade asset. Um, and if you bench him, everyone's going, you're not going to get any value for him whatsoever. I think a huge aspect of him, his downturn in the past couple of weeks has been Mitch not being there. Him and Mitch run the pick and roll really, really well together. He needs someone like that. And Hartenstein doesn't really do it, neither do Sims. They don't, they don't run it well. He needs someone like that 
for him to play his game. And then he's also a confidence guy. He's not like a head case where he's just going to completely go silent. He never goes silent, right? He's going to keep shooting, but he's super thinking about everything he's going to do before he does it, right? To the yeah. point where it's crippling his decision-making and, and it just becomes non-existent at that point. If he's rolling to the basket, you know he's throwing that ball up. He's either going for a foul or he's just going to miss the – he's going for a foul or and he's either going to make it uh, and not get the call or he's going to completely get the foul and then just bank it off the – off the backboard into the into the stands or something like that because he, he can't he can't think on the fly and he doesn't kick out well he, it, it's yeah. just because he's he's in his own head right now and uh, I just think he needs to he also if you he didn't have any uh, off season workouts because that's what you do when you're up for a contract extension they want to protect their assets so the Knicks didn't have so he missed his entire off season regiment he I every time he's gone into the off season he's come back with something that he's been working on. I don't want to say a new tool in his bag because he right. doesn't really do anything great by yeah. any stretch of the imagination, but he's worked on things he had already. He, he was, he was rounding off his angles. Exactly. I mean, he was getting better at free throws, right? He was getting better at finishing. He was getting better at defense. And this year he just kind of took a, a, t- a tick down, but also he didn't, he didn't know Jalen Brunson was going to do this. Right. I, I think we all kind of thought Jalen Brunson was going to be, a prototypical point guard who can score 15 to 17 points a game and kick it out to RJ and kick it out to, uh, to Randall when, when need be. So you got to kind of adapt and, and you got to put your ego away or um, just be okay with the situation and do what you need to do. He's got to be like a super role player and, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's got to be an Andrew Wiggins type or what, you know, not even though the games are relatively similar, but he's got to be that type of person. Um, and I think he could still be very successful with the team. He's just not going to be the superstar. I think we that's pretty clear. But if he could have uh, a Jimmy Butler light or DeMar DeRozan light type type career on this team as they're super young, Randall just hit his prime, Brunson's not there yet, quickly super young, like he can do super, super well here. And he's still, I think, like the youngest person on the team or the second youngest person on the team, so... Yeah. Yeah. He's super young. I was just thinking the same thing. He's still very young and there's still totally a path for him to make all-star teams down the road. And and I like what you said with like the DeMar Rosen light type of thing. Cause DeMar, I don't know how many all-star games he's made exactly in his career. I'm assuming it's like in the eight range or something like that. Right. Like I don't think RJ is going to get eight all-stars in his career, but could he get two? Could he be a two-time all-star in his career? A three-time all-star in his career? Absolutely. I mean, the guy's averaged 20 or 20 points a few years now and the point of him not really adding to his game this year or not sharpening his game this year, it's probably a mixture of him forcing opportunities because he has less. Right. And then, and then the other part of just be just getting less shots. Right. Like, and he's, I not, don't think he has less because he's still like tonight. He took 16 shots. He's taking, he got, he's taking his, his share. You're right. He's taking his <laughs> share, but they're not rhythmic. Like you were talking about confidence. Right. You were talking about his confidence before. And the word that jumped to my mind was rhythm. Right. It's not yeah. necessarily confidence. He always seems kind of confident. Like he's always going to attack. And that's what he's I He's not do. playing within the flow of the game. Right. It, so, and then you look at someone like Josh Hart, for example, who I, I know he had a down year on threes, uh, but like historically, he's a 35% uh, three point shooter. And he was doing that until like the past like two months or so. And they kind of changed his role and they didn't give him the green light. If you just like, if you just click with the environment around you and you know that you're going to get played to your strengths, it's just hard for them to play to their hard for RJ to play to his strengths right now, because Randall does what he does just better. Right. So you can't have two, two lefties doing the same thing at that point, a part of the the court. It's just going to, it's going to get difficult. And, And RJ doesn't seem like the type of guy who is always okay 
with getting a 12 point night, right? Like you almost need a guy in his role to be fine with a 12, six and five game. Right. And that's not something that he pulls off very frequently. It's almost like he wants to get to his 17, 18 a night at minimum, whether he has to take good shots or force some bad ones. And part of that, I love because he does attack even when things aren't going well. And, and that's why he is as consistent as he is from a, from a counting statistics standpoint. Right. But it's, that's where the efficiency goes out the window a little bit. He has to be in that role. Like you said, a super role player where he can score 25 in a game but if he scores 12, he's got to just do some other things to supplement that. And, and quickly on the Brunson front, again, I expected from Brunson a stat line of like 18, six assists, and four rebounds. And I was like, Knicks fans have to be okay with that stat line because that's most likely the player that he is. And he's shown us now over more than half of a season that he's actually more than that, that he is a player who's going to average 24. Right. Like that. I didn't think that was real. I thought Knicks fans were going to have this expectation of, oh, we got this point guard on $200 million. Like it's going to be 24 points a game from now on at the point guard position. And I was like, no, slow your roll. It's going to be 18. It's going to be really consistent. It's going to be really solid. And he's proven us wrong in that category. Well, I, I, you talk about the contracts. I think another huge aspect is RJ did get the contract. He's the, next year, he'll be the highest play, paid player on the team by right. a very, very small margin. But that's got to be in his head too, right? That, that imposter syndrome. And that's also part of being like young and, and getting that kind of, you want to prove yourself to it. I do think he becomes a, like a good player in the NBA. I don't think he's, I don't think he's ass, right? Like I don't think he's someone right. who's going to be out of the league in two years or something. He's not Kevin Knox. He's not Frank Milikina or something like that. Oh, he's Lord. someone who's a, he's a starting, yeah, I know. Uh, he's a starting level player on most teams, uh, you know, maybe maybe a couple teams he might be a bench player maybe he might be best served on the Knicks as a bench player but like he'll figure it out he's not going to be in playing in uh, in Beijing next week or anything like that <laughs> yeah. and i'm i'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you you don't pull him out of the lineup you just don't especially while the team's winning you don't do it and you don't want now him asking for a trade cuz then his value goes way down and i don't even know if you want to trade him right you said he's the biggest trade chip and that might very well be true come this offseason but you don't necessarily want to be in a position where you where you have to trade him, right? So you have to kind of play that balance there. And like you said, he's not a scrub. We're just looking for more from somebody, uh, from a guy who's given us more every year to continue to give us more. And he's maybe in that point of his development where taking that next step is going to take more and more time. And I think that's that's a okay. And I think he's got the right people around him too, though. You know, like that's, that's, that's important. If he's getting low and, and he can learn from the people around him, they, they'll lift him up. But like he can, you know, in 2K, when you, you assign your mentors uh, yeah, yeah. for certain skills, he's got plenty of people around him that could really add to what he's trying to do or what he should be trying to do with his game. You know, it was two years ago, he said he wanted to come in and be a defensive player of the year candidate or all to NBA. Like he's got players like that who can give him tools to do that. He's got people who like, he's got Brunson there who can show him how to work post moves. And he's got Josh Hart to, to show him how to rebound better for his size and all that good stuff. He's got the right people around him if, if he's willing to learn and, I don't see why he, he doesn't seem like the type of player who's like a huge ego kind of guy or, uh, you know, just an asshole in the locker room. I think he comes out of this, the, the better people he has around him in the long run will make him a better player. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Again, I don't want to have a world where we have to trade RJ Barrett. I don't expect that to be a world, but of course, if the right player comes about it's something that you have to consider. Uh, so we'll see what happens with RJ. We'll see what happens in the second half of the all-star or post all-star break. 
where they go with closing lineups, where they go with the starting lineup. I assume the starting lineup will stay the same. And we talked about Hart. We talked about Brunson. We talked about Randall and Barrett. Is there anyone else that you want to mention here? You know, we mentioned Grimes a little bit here. Is there anyone else that you kind of want to talk about that maybe for better or worse has, has taken your attention a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the only one who's been a detriment recently has been RJ. Uh, quickly has been awesome. The entire year he's been awesome defensively, and then he got out of his slump, as he typically does, and he's probably shooting the best that he has his entire career so far. 43% um, on threes the last 10 games. Yeah, he's been, and, and and it's not he's not just relying on threes anymore. He's penetrating well. He's facilitating really well. He is a really good combo guard in the league, right? Like he's, and and I, you know, going into the season uh, and early on in the season, they were talking about him as a trade chip because they didn't know if they wanted to extend him. Uh, you clearly, this guy's part of your future now. Like there, there's no ifs, ends, or buts about it. This guy is going to be a six man of the year candidate going forward uh, every year because he's gotten better every year too. Um, he'll have his slumps for a couple weeks here and there, and it'll, in the beginning of the season, it'll affect his stats and it'll look ugly, but he'll average out and, and water will, will find its level there. And then on top of that, Hartenstein has been awesome, which is weird because he was terrible for the vast majority of the season, but he's playing within his game now, you know, and, and I think that's, we talked about rhythm before he's playing within the rhythm of the game. He's not shooting threes, which I'm happy about. I know like going into the season, he was like, oh, he's a stretch, stretch five, he'll open up the floor. That's He's not a stretch five. He's he's ass at uh, at shooting threes. But he and he he's but he's rebounding better. He's playing better defense. He's blocking better. Uh, and and he's not getting into a ton of foul trouble. And he's just been a big asset to the team. This is a really good backup center. The Knicks are the best offensive rebounding team in the league, and they will be getting better when Mitchell Robinson comes back, who is the best offensive rebounder in the league. Yeah. Um, so it's just awesome. I, I do want to pose a question for you. So you, you asked me if there's anybody I want to talk about. There's not anybody in particular I want to talk about. But I want to ask you because you shrugged me off before. Say say the season ended, Knicks were a four seed. Uh, Knicks were a five seed. Uh, uh, they're not right now. But you're just saying if they were, it, I, it there's a very likely chance that that happens. Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. I thought you were talking about like right now, but yeah. If no, they, I, I, I need, okay. Well, I, and I just want to say why it's likely because obviously the Nets are going to be a worse team than they were, and we expect them to to you know, lose more games than they were. And, and yeah, Rich has just scored 40 some. Sure. They are a defensive juggernaut that hasn't really shown yet, but, uh, but, but they don't have a guy. They don't have a guy on that team. Mikael Bridges is not a guy right now. He's, he's a borderline all-star. No, he's a guy. He's not the guy. Yeah. Um, and the Knicks play three games against the heat uh, to, to control right. their own destiny. Very, very realistically it could become the, the five seed uh, before the season's end. They're already the six seed. Yes. Knicks Cavs. Knicks are awesome on the road. I think they have the second best road record in the league. Cavs are terrible uh, on the road. That's and the Knicks match up really well. It, assuming everyone's healthy, Knicks match up really well, and they've already kind of destroyed them the entire season in the regular season. Knicks take that series. What do you think? I think that just to round that up, I think that the Cavs would be favored to win the series. Sure. Based off of just pedigree of, of talent where they have Donovan Mitchell, who I would say is probably the best player in the series. Stop me when you disagree. I think he would be looked at by the wide variety, by, by the um, majority as the best player in that series. Jared. I, I agree that, that they would, they would feel that way. I, I don't know that it's super cut and dry. The, uh, going that into he's that, not better than Randall or that he's not better than Brunson. 
I don't. I think an argument can be made for all three of them to be the best player on the on the floor that night. All three okay. of them, including including Mitchell. But right. I agree that the, the 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 general audience would feel that way, and and Vegas would say that as well, and all that good stuff. All right, Jared Allen is a is a great counterpart to Mitch. He's probably a tick better as a rounded out player. He's a little bit better sure. all offensively, defensively. Mitch probably doesn't get quite as much love just because of his foul trouble history and his inability to stay on the floor because Jared Allen has done better in that category. So he's gets the light the slight advantage is that sure. uh, rim protector. I think Evan Mobley is a guy who lengthwise would, would give Randall trouble, but obviously doesn't have the strength to always hang with Randall. Randall could do stuff against him. Um, also incredibly and, limited offensively. You know, well, Mobley, he's one of those weird players who's like incredibly cerebral. So the cerebral, there we go, but he's not like a scorer. So his stats offensively don't look great all the time, but he is a good offensive player. Um, I think where the Knicks win this series, if they win this series, is from the strength of numbers. And, and again, right back to that category, the Cavs' only uh, weaknesses at this point are the wing position and their depth, right? They're not a very deep team, and they are still struggling with who is their small forward, right? The Knicks don't really have that issue where they kind of know even though we just debated on who should be their three in closing moments. Uh, the Knicks know who their guys are. They know their rotation is deep and they have the ability to go on runs with a second unit. I think that with the majority saying the Cavs are favorite and Vegas saying the Cavs are favorite, I think it would be much smarter to have it closer to even. And um, I think I'm, I'm agreeing with you. The Knicks can win that series 100% because the Cavs are not a proven commodity. I think they're going to be consistently better throughout the regular season. I think Garland Mitchell is a better one-two punch than uh, Brunson and Randall by a slight margin. I think Garland is extremely underrated in, in this NBA landscape. We're talking about top point guards in the East, and you don't mention Garland. I think that's a mistake, right? So I, I think they're a little bit better at the top, but I do think the Knicks are better throughout the roster and that would be their ticket to knocking them off where the Cavs bench is in and the Knicks bench is in and they get an eight point differential. Like that's their ticket. So I think it's a little bit of an underdog win for them, but they can hundred percent pull it off. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it as a non Knicks fan, but as a Knicks fan, you know, I'm punching the Knicks ticket <laughs> and saying that they could win that series. I just don't think it is by any means a surefire win. Sure. I, I, it's, it's the playoffs. It, nothing's a surefire win. I, I just, you fully believe that the Knicks could win a game. And like, like it's not like, Hey, everything has to break eat right yet. for them. The, this the Knicks, is like, it, it's a good matchup. Well, if the Knicks play well and the Cavs play well, that is at minimum a six game series, right? Yep. Like if, if Randall implodes and is a disaster in the playoffs, they're out, they're done. Right. Like, I think that's a, a simple fact there assuming Randall can play up to his level in the playoffs, then yes, you 100% have a really realistic reason to say the Knicks can win that series. And and I, th I think everyone's going to over index on the Atlanta series from two years ago with Randall and say, Randall can't play in the playoffs. This is a very different team uh, than what Rand Randall was getting double team the entire time. And he had no one to pass it out to. He was going to pass it to Reggie Bullock or Alfred Payton. Like it wasn't, he had nothing the different franchise on his shoulders that, that year. Yep, uh, and the fans had just gotten back, and you know it was it, there was a lot of there was a lot of hunger in, in in the stands for that. It was like you know the, they just let let everything happen, but a lot of Derrick Rose reliance. Yeah, and and there's no, 
they don't need to rely on one guy anymore. They don't. They have options. I'm not saying they have two. You know, it's either Randall or Brunson even. You Quentin Grimes can get hot and hit six threes for you in a game. Not saying in the playoffs, but just in general. You know, quickly can get really hot. Toppin's been impacting the game, you know, in his own way and all that good stuff. Uh, and also on top of that, Jalen Brunson has seen uh, Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs and he matched up really goddamn well with him. <laughs> and he won that. He Jalen yeah. Brunson was the best player on a team that won a playoff series last year. Luka Doncic was out for that entire first round series for them. Right. And then when Luka came back and they made their run to the conference finals, like, yes, of course, Luka has his imprints on that, but it was not happening without Jalen Brunson. And you talk about not trusting Randall in the playoffs. I think Brunson is the type of player with the amount of consistency that you do trust in the playoffs to show up. He doesn't have one of those games that's streaky, right? Like Jalen Brunson doesn't play a style that says, mm -hmm. Oh snap. He was one for nine today from three. He only scored 16 points or he only mm -hmm. scored 12 points. That doesn't really exist for Jalen Brunson. And it goes back to why he's been so good for them is because he's not reliant on, you know, dynamicism. Like he's, yeah, he's not reliant on like statistical outliers. Right. Like he's he's not waiting for the seven for 10 game from three to go off. And he's not, you know, uh, falling down on the one for eight game from three where he falls on his face. That neither of those games really exist for him. Yeah. And he gets everyone involved, too. I mean, you know, guys, guys been awesome. <laughs> yeah. You can't you really can't say enough about Jalen Brunson at this point. And, and so all, all I'm saying, the reason I brought all this up was you said very clearly that the Knicks are not a top four team. I think it's not clear. Because I think, like you said before, the Knicks, if the Knicks and the Cavs matched up against each other, it's a good series. It's a pretty evenly, uh, and a case can be made that the Knicks could win that series. Then it's not, it's not a clear cut that the Knicks are uh, the fourth, uh, the fifth, uh, not a top four team. So, well, I, th I think it's clear in, in the regular season. I don't think they can catch the Cleveland Cavaliers in the regular season. But when you talk about sure, a but the series, I think they can match up. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I just think that they if if the season restarted today with how the Knicks are currently constructed uh, and and there was you know no record of zero zero record going for the rest of the season, I could see the Knicks being the fourth the fourth best team in the league. Yeah, I mean they're, they're better give, now than they were. To give the Cavs credit, they've won eight eight out of ten. Sure, they're right. also horrendous on the road. <laughs> right, they are uh, thirteen and seventeen on the road, twenty five and six at home. So and the Sixers are are similar in that regard they're 23 oh the Sixers are pretty good at, at, on the road they're 15 and 11 but I, I just think that the, the Knicks play really well on the road they're starting to get better at home and it's it, you know that's that's a tough you don't when you're in the playoffs you don't want the team that does well on the road and, and frankly the Knicks playing so poorly at home this year has been weird right yeah. like it hasn't been the norm for them to be worse at home they're usually better at home in the year where they were the four seed they were juggernauts at home consistently beating all the teams they were supposed to beat you know I, I want to continuously see them dominate the teams they're supposed to dominate like tonight they were four and a half point dogs against the atlanta hawks which i jumped all over i took that four and a half or again last night when you're listening to this and i actually alt spreaded them to minus two and a half which was like plus 200 um in a same game parlay that didn't hit so i should have just probably done that by itself obviously but like i didn't understand why they were four point dogs against the hawks like the hawks have been playing mediocre basketball the entire season Right. Like the Hawks are 29 and 30 now. They're okay at home, 15 and 12. They're under 500 on the road. They've lost uh, six out of 10. Why was that? Why was that a spread? Right. So I'm, I'm ready for them to be consistently looked at as favorites against the bad teams or the teams below them. 
and for them to take care of business. That is important. As much as we love to see them go into Philly and play a great game and beat the Sixers, it's even more important for them to beat the Raptors, which they haven't done this year. For them to well, they they lost to the Raptors twice this year already. Yeah, but they also beat them once. Right, they beat but, them in, they, in, it was the first time they did that in like ten years. They beat them in. They won in Toronto. Yeah, but they but they had lost twice to them not that long ago, right? Yeah, like yeah. a couple weeks before they beat them. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Gotcha. Like they, they can't lose two out of three to a team that is four games below them in the standings. They can't lose to the Wizards. They can't. You know, they had their little run against the Bulls earlier in the year, but they can't lose those types of games anymore, especially if they're trying to build. Uh, up in the standings here. Cause I think from the Nets perspective here, and you know, we could finish up pretty soon now, but the, the Nets aren't going away. I think one thing that's been clear with the Brooklyn Nets, since this trade has taken place, they're not falling off. They may not be uh, a juggernaut or a championship contender anymore. Like they were when they were 18 and two on that little stretch with Kyrie and KD playing, but they are not going to fall apart. I don't think so. It, this Knicks five seed is not going to be handed to them. Is my point. I think yeah, the Nets okay. are hang on. I, I don't think they're hanging on to the five seed. I think the Knicks or the or the Heat overtake that. I I'm not saying that that the that um the the Nets are gonna you know be the worst team in the league or anything like that. Right. They're not they're not a top four team anymore. They're just absolutely not. There's no they, they not don't top have, four, but they they could still be top six. I think they right. Could, but it, but if they, they if they go 500 for the rest of the year, if they go 500 for the rest of the year, they're not a four seed anymore. That's just, it's how it's going to be. Either the Heat or the Knicks are going to overtake them. It's just, you know, one of those teams is going to do it. Knicks are two games behind them right now. It's not like they're five games behind or anything like that. If, if the Nets can, if the Knicks don't play at the level that they were playing, which they won't, they're going to go down in the standings. And if they go down one in the standings, they're not going to be a four seed. I'm sorry, a five seed. No, four, four. Yeah. Not going to be four seed anymore. And they have the Cavs though too. Yeah. The, the, the five, yeah, five seed is what you're talking Sorry. about. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying, though. I, I just like, I don't want to put out this idea that the Nets are going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be bad. No, but they are going to be worse than they were. And you have to admit that. Like, they're going to be a worse team than they were. Well, weirdly, they're worse than they were the past, like, not the past two weeks, right? When KD got hurt, like, they fell off a little bit already. So they're better than that, but they're not as good as they were at their peak. Right. So where does that where does that even out is my question. Right. Like, where does that end up? It evens out as a play in team. So right now, uh, actually, you can't bet on it at the moment because there's still games going on. They kind of take stuff off DraftKings. I was going to say the Knicks odds to make the playoffs, uh, but they don't have them up uh, at the moment. But my guess is that the Knicks odds to make the playoffs have went from, you know, even to minus 150. Or something like that, and I think that's accurate. If that's the if that's the line, which I, I'll, I'll you know I'll check on tomorrow when they put them all up, like that's reasonable to me. I think if you start saying that they're minus two fifty, that's something that I'm not going to be feel as comfortable with. But, but just because you know that's strictly from a gambling perspective, obviously. But I don't think it's a shoe in. I do think it's likely. If that makes sense. You know what I'm really happy about that we didn't give up three first round picks for Dejounte Murray. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as talented as he can be, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the Hawks. I don't know if it's Trey Young. I think it might be Trey Young. It's not feeling good in Atlanta. It really, really is not. Um, but yeah, I think that's. I think that pretty much covers it for the Knicks, man. I'm projecting them to make the playoffs and not be in the play-in. I am 100% projecting that. Whether they're the five or the six, I have to see. You know, we're gonna have to see how they hang on. I don't think the Heat are gonna go away. You texted me today. Or how are the Heat good? How are the Heat hanging on? How are they anything? 
I don't know. The Heat just are. The Heat just are. <laughs> like they just play crazy good defense. They have two all-star caliber players in Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. When Jimmy Butler plays, they're even better. He missed about 15 games this year already, but like they're not going away either. Um, but I think the Knicks should be looked at as a favorite to be a five or six seed. Yeah, I, I, and the Heat have a really tough remaining schedule for the rest of the year too. So that, I, I think that'll show what they really are. Um, I mean, they are aren't they the like the bottom three uh, in offense in, in the entire league this year? Yeah, they average only 108 points per game, but I think that's by design. That's the lowest points per game in the entire league. Um, but I think that's by design because they give up the fewest points per game as well. So they Isn't have insane that 108 points is the lowest in the league. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Like the Knicks are at 114. That's middle of the pack, right? You got some teams out here, you know, 118 points per game for the Nuggets and and the six and the uh, the Celtics. The Kings are at 119 a game. Like that team just puts up numbers. The Warriors give it up like crazy right now defensively. They still score almost 119 a game. So the Knicks are almost middle of the pack offensively. Defensively, they're they're looking better. They're moving in the right direction on that front. I think Josh Hart's only going to add to that. I know you want I know you want to hang up here, but I have a question. I for got you. one more thing to talk about. Okay, do you think the um the do you think that the the, the Mavericks are going to go down in the standings? I'm not saying that they're going to implode or anything like that, but it's so dense from um from eight uh, from four through ten essentially. I'm sorry, four through uh, like 13. No, three, let's be honest, three through 13, because the Kings are yeah only, you know, one game up in the win column from the Mavericks. They're three games up in the in the loss column. Yeah, I, I could see them going, like I could see the Mavericks going down to like the bottom end of the play-in, uh, like, <laughs> like a nine or a 10 seed. I, I and, don't. And it, I, I, it's just super weird. And like, it's a pipe dream. I'm super, you know, biased here, but that would be amazing for the Knicks. And it's only top ten protected, uh, right. and they really get it. Like they can get like the eleventh or twelfth pick in the, in the draft. That would be incredible. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the numbers for the Mavs with Kyrie and Luca so far, even though they haven't won the games yet with them, the numbers are palpable. I, like, I've seen the the offensive numbers with them two on the floor is freaking silly right now. Yeah, but but they lost like losing DFS for them. That's bad. A, yeah, it's that's tough. a big loss for them. Like when his like outscoring like led to like with really bad defense ever really led to anything. You need to be able to play right. some kind of defense in, in this league. So yeah, it sucks to lose Finney Smith. And that's another reason why like you look at the Nets team and if if like if Mikael Bridges can really be a 22 a game guy and Spencer Dinwiddie can score 18 a game and Cam Thomas and Cam Johnson could just kind of do some things here and there. Like they're going to be annoying to play. They're going to be really annoying to play. Like the opposite of the Mavs where it's like, all right, Luca and Kyrie combined for 78 points, but we won by two, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Nets are going to be like, oh my God, that was a fucking grind to play against that team because none of our guys can get good shots off. Right? I think next. I think next year, next Smith, Nick Claxton. The defense is freaking silly. Insane. It's insane. I think next year they'll be better. They they need to get somebody who can get into the paint and distribute the ball. They don't have yeah. that. Spencer Dinwiddie ain't that Dinwiddie's, guy. Dinwiddie's a really good uh, sixth seventh man. He's a really good yeah. sixth man. He's a mediocre starting point guard. And they Maybe have too much slightly yeah. above average than mediocre. And they have too much size. 
Like they need to get someone a little smaller and craftier on that team to, to get well, it. Well, they need what well, you know what they really need? And I, I I've been like waiting to to put this out to the world and I'll just do it right now. They need Ben Simmons from four years ago. Yeah. Like if <laughs> they, they absolutely do. Like I hate that this happened to this guy because he's like such a shell of himself and it sucks. I don't think he cares. I don't think it's, he gives a shit. I'm talking about selfishly as a fan, as somebody yeah. who enjoyed watching him play basketball. For like multiple years, this dude was an all NBA player. He was a shoe in for all star teams. He was an all defensive player. He was a defensive player of the year candidate, like menacing people on defense, getting out in transition, dunking on fools, making sick passes. Almost none of it exists anymore. He's a good defender, not a great defender. He's a okay transition player. He's afraid to go to the rim. He's afraid to shoot. Like it sucks. If if the Nets had Ben Simmons from three years ago, this would be a, this would be a top four team in the Eastern Conference right now. I'm dead ass. Like I don't know about that. They still he, don't have a superstar. Well, I guess he would have been was, a superstar. He, he was like a borderline superstar. Like we forget because we were supposed to based off how he's played. Like what have you done for me lately? Nothing. But if this guy was even eighty five percent, ninety percent of himself, but this Nets, this they, Nets team doesn't have. A, this team doesn't have an Embiid. This the, 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 he always had an Embiid. This, this he, one doesn't have. He it. wasn't even better with Embiid on the like. He was actually cooking when Embiid was out with injury. It's like oh, Ben Simmons, baby, triple doubles, ten assists, like kicking to all these shooters. Oh, what if you just gave Ben Simmons a team like Giannis Antetokounmpo and just surrounded him with shooters and good defenders, and this team would be a menace to deal with. That was a legitimate thing that people said out loud all the time. And now if you say that people would think you're on crack, like that's where it went. It's a shame, dude. Makes me sad as a Ben Simmons guy who supported him and had these conversations on this very podcast about, you know, who would you take Brandon Ingram or Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons or this person, you know, what if Ben Simmons had a team without MB, what would it look like? Those were all conversations that were exciting. And now it's just sad. Like, can he even be a starter? Is he going to get minutes stripped from him on this Brooklyn Nets team? Those are the conversations we're having now, and it's a damn shame because he could have been great for this team. You can't do. You can't move him. Like they're talking about oh, how they're going to explore. That that is the worst contract in all of professional sports. Has to be. Yeah, and I I just wait for those moments where he goes for 18, 10, and ten, and they just don't exist right now. It's a shame. It really is a shame. Oh, there we go. I needed to get that out. I honestly, I needed to get that off just a little bit because I, I, I still have some stock and I can't sell it now. Just like the Nets, can't, I can't sell my stock, so I'm just gonna hold on to it and and hope that he figures it diamond out. Diamond hands, diamond yeah. hands, PD, straight up diamond hands. But uh, all right, Alec, that was some great Knicks talk, some great NBA talk right there. Obviously, I have one more thing that we have to talk about. Okay, do you know what it is? It's either the Philadelphia Eagles losing the Super Bowl or the Last of Us. No, it's neither. Is it Ant-Man's reviews? It's Ant-Man. It's Ant-Man. I mean, we can talk about us, but I haven't seen episode five yet. So You're the worst. I'm behind. You're the absolute worst. I've, I'm the last of us to see the latest episode. <laughs> <laughs> Never takes a day off. No, it just comes to me, man. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> last of Us is great. We can talk about that as well if you wanted to. But Ant-Man comes out on Thursday. You're seeing it today? Tomorrow. tomorrow? Well, today. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Right. So you're seeing it tonight. I'm seeing it next week. Um, reviews are consistent right now, I think. <laughs> yeah. So tell me if you are seeing, hearing other stuff, but basically the words are 
Jonathan Majors is a goddamn rock star. And Kang He's a major force. There you go. See, you get it. Uh, and Kang is a star of the show or the star of the show. However, the movie falls short in capturing the Ant-Man vibes that we've fallen in love with over the first two films and also tackles a lot of things that they can't quite all corral. Is that what you're seeing generally? I'm trying not to look because I don't want to go into this thinking it's going to suck because then it absolutely will suck. I'm try- I-, I saw that Majors is a vibe uh, and he's awesome and I'm hyped about that. Uh, that's really all I saw. That's a little summary on, on the Rotten Tomatoes about it. What's going on there? Um, I'm excited for it nonetheless. I like going to the movies. I like seeing fun, fun turn my brain off movies. I've also, I think that there's, with Marvel movies now, there's rose colored glasses when it comes to some of like the phase two movies, like in the phase one movies, there's plenty of bad Marvel movies in, in phase one and two that back then were getting 70 to 90% on Rotten Tomatoes that if they released them today would be getting 40 to 50 to 60 or whatever it is. I like Multiverse of Madness. That movie rules, uh, in my opinion, and I got bad reviews. I thought Eternals was good. I thought Love and Thunder was okay. Like all those movies are like garbage on Rotten Tomatoes. We'll see how it is. I'm I'm excited to have a, a fun ride. I don't need everything to be solid, super, you know, like Oscar worthy script or anything like that. I'm there for a good time. That's that's all I'm there for. There for a good time and to advance the universe, right? Yeah, and man. that's and I think that's a great point by you with those phase one, two, three movies that are just forgotten. Like people just want to forget that they weren't all great. Like we didn't know that any of this could even be a thing until Avengers came out, right? Like yeah. Thor, the original was okay at best. Iron Captain Man America one sucks. Captain uh, Iron Man two. Some, sucks. some people, some people love Captain America the first one. I'm I'm lukewarm about it. It was fine. Um, Iron Man two not great. Thor one okay at best. Thor two bad, right? Like so, those things weren't great, and they still led to Avengers, which was off the charts. Obviously, kind of re changed the entire landscape. People want so much out of these films now. And we, we've talked about it till we're blue in the face, but like the post uh, end game and post infinity war world where, and this is something I, I've talked about, or I've heard people talk about on other podcasts where Marvel used to have a villain problem. Now they, and now, now they have a hero problem. That's, that's the real differentiation. Now I think some of the new heroes we've gotten in phase four are going to be awesome. I 100% believe that. I think Moon Knight's going to be a home run when he shows up next or shows up in a movie. I think that Kamala Khan is going to be a, a great piece for the Marvel uh, Universe. I think Kate Bishop is going to be a nice piece for the Marvel Universe. Uh, I think Bucky Barnes. Yeah, Sh- oh, I mean, Shang-Chi was a home run already. He's going to be great. I think that that movie got like really good reviews, obviously. I think Bucky hanging around for one more run with the Thunderbolts is going to help segue a little bit. I don't know if Thunderbolts is going to be good or not. We'll see what happens with where they go. But people are so intensely harsh on all of this stuff. Like, I am expecting to have a really good time in the theaters when I see Ant-Man. Yeah, I was expecting to have a good time when I saw Thor, and I did. I did yeah. have a good time. Did I have gripes with the movie? Did I want way more Christian Bale and way less haha bullshit? Yes, of course. Not sitting up here giving it a 99, but to say it was a freaking 42 or a 32 is, is stupid, and it's just it's just dumb. So for this movie... We're going to get some laughs from Paul Rudd because he's goddamn hilarious. 
we're going to see some cool stuff in, in the quantum realm because it looks really cool in the trailer. And I think it's going to be nice to actually now explore this thing that we thought we were getting for, for like four movies. Now we're going to actually have a multiverse that is connected some way rather than, you know, just Dr. Strange hopping around through some paint and, and showing up in like two different worlds, right? Like we're going to actually get some of that other stuff here and it's going to move along the MCU. I'm expecting a good time. I'm expecting some, some good drama. I am expecting to walk away not disappointed. And I don't know if that's going to lead to disappointment or not. You and I have different realms of that. I usually try to go in low expectations and so they could uh, more easily meet them. You're saying you kind of want to go in with your average expectation and you're going to make your opinion there. So I don't know. I'm excited for Ant-Man. I'm not ready to hate anything. Obviously, I didn't see yet, but I'm not here for people assuming that it's going to be trash because Marvel has been ruining everything lately. Yeah, I don't get that whole mentality. I mean, like, it was never, like, these movies are not Oscar movies. I know some of them have gotten nominated, and I know, like, Angela Bassett for Black Panther. That was a good movie, too. I like Black Panther a lot. Love Black um, But, like, I don't know. Just lower your, I don't go see a Fast and the Furious movie because I think it's going to, like, make me cry out of emotion or something like that. I'm, I'm there because I want to watch them do crazy shit where The Rock flexes out of a full body cast and rips a machine gun off a helicopter. That rules. That's right. what this is. That's what like uh, that, yeah, I think people whole... would be insulted by that though. I think Marvel fans are going to say no. We're not in the same ilk as Fast and the Furious. Can, like we can, are. Can, can I share? Fast. Can I share what the most like the best thing that I've I've done with like all like big franchise movies? I stopped going online and reading about them. I stopped watching a million trailers and dissecting and then watching the 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 video that dissects the trailer and then the discussion about it on Reddit afterwards. Like. People were so upset with with Multiverse of Madness because they showed it in the trailer that the, the the Illuminati was there. If you didn't know that was happening, that would have been awesome. If you didn't know that that the the other Peter Parkers were going to be in Spider Man, you would have lost your shit. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that did that. But like, and they did they did do that with the trailers. But like, that's awesome. Like, it, not everything has to be this crazy huge thing. Just enjoy the fact that you're getting to see, you know, all these TV the characters in TV shows and movies, and like. That being said, Disney should do less because they did a little too much for the past like year or so or two years, and they announced that they're going to do less, which I think is good. I'm happy right. with that. And, and the last thing that I'll say on that front is we fell in love with the world of Marvel without everything being an Avengers level threat, right? Like to take that term, oh, is this a Thanos? Oh, he's an Avengers level threat, right? Like we fell in love with all those characters and all those storylines with a lot of that stuff not being world-ending level threats. Like yeah. a, lot of, a lot of that stuff was was contained. Like the Ant-Man stuff was very contained in the beginning. Maybe that's why we loved it so much. They're now segueing Ant-Man into this bigger moment. And like, it's obviously going to be a little bit different. Like it's going to be, and that's okay, right? Like yeah. things don't have to be the same as they were. If they were, we would have seen the same movie a hundred times, which some may argue that we have, but that's not the case, right? It's very... It's uh, into the stories of each character and not every single movie is going to be the big and the big bad and the big thing and the crazy movement of the universe. I will say that this phase has very different types of movies. Shows are a different story, but in terms of like Doctor Strange is a Sam Raimi movie. If you don't like Sam Raimi, I totally get it. That's a Sam Raimi movie, though, through and through. Right. Shang-Chi is a martial arts movie. It's got that Marvel like flair, like feel of it and everything like that but black panther is a ryan coogler movie you know like that 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 feels like a different type of thing um i don't know all these movies feel different to me thor, thor love and thunder whether you like it or not that's a white td movie right that, yeah. that feels like a taika movie so you're 
in the first three phases, everything was like homogenized because they had to, because they had established things. And like, there's a sentiment online of like, it, it's both equally too much of the same and not different enough. Uh, right, uh, right. I, I mean, and too different. I mean, and yeah, like, yeah. you can't have it both ways. And now I think there's too many fans, too many people out there, too many voices on the internet and everything like that. Just go enjoy the movies. You can go to a movie and see if you like it. And if you don't, it's not the end of the world. Right. Right. Do it all think- the time. I think with like them hitting such home runs on the Avengers front and having so many different characters and storylines come to life at the same time has led us to expect that on every film. Like yep. even like like Guardians for example, the first one nobody knew that that was going to lead to the Infinity Saga, but it it did. That was the opening to the Infinity Saga even though you saw, you know, the Tesseract before that, but no one really knew what that was uh for the most part. Like Guardians Two, I didn't like like ego was like kind of cool, I guess. I don't know, but like I didn't think Guardians 2 was some like groundbreaking I agree with forward, you, man. Forward moving Marvel movie, but people love it because they love the Guardians and it's a Guardians movie, right? Like it's James Gunn all over the place. And we're gonna get another one of those soon. And I expect more James Gunn all over my face. Like <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, I'll get you a towel. <laughs> We obviously have James Gunn now moving on to DC, which is, you know, the Flash trailer was pretty crazy, right? But that doesn't mean that DC is now going to have like this crazy uh, stranglehold on. <laughs> You're still on the James Gunn. Uh, James Gunn in your face. Is it still there? Do I got to wipe it off? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, I don't even know what the hell I was saying anymore. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I don't know. Let, let just go well, to the movie or or, do, or don't go to the movie. Who, who cares? It's just a right. movie. Go have, go, have, go have some damn fun, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, well, any let's finish with this. Any uh, predictions? I know we're like not you're not doing this, but just for, for Alec, for you, is there anything that you kind of want to see or any cameos that you want to see that you think we might get? I want to see as much Jonathan Majors as possible. If that's if that happens in the movie, I'll love it because that dude rocks. That dude has made has only been an incredible actor in everything he's been in. Now he's having his big glow up moment. He's in Creed three. He's in this. He was in that 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 uh, airplane movie, the airplane right. maybe World War one movie or whatever it was that I, nobody saw, including myself. But um, <laughs> that that guy can act, and he's yeah. awesome. And I want him, I want to see him in everything all the time. All right. I uh, I agree. I think you're going to get that. I think you're going to get that. And then no cameo predictions, no post-credit scene predictions, nothing like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, give me give me uh, uh, something at the end that 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 shows Loki uh, or or Owen Wilson's character mm. from Loki pop in. Mm. Say, uh, you know, we're starting the uh, the Kang Initiative. Or the, that would be Avengers interesting Disney. for them to go with a with a Disney Plus show that everybody's excited for loki fuck yeah that that's talk about things that rule that show ruled um but i i'd be surprised if they went with a show in the post credit scene i think it's reasonable to say that either shang chi or one of the marvels will pop up either for like a hot second in the movie or in post credit scene well i'm just saying based off of the the world that they're in based off of the vibe that they're they, that the ant-man movies go off of and everything like that Kang launched in Loki, right? Like uh, I know he's kind of a different character. Yeah, yeah. And Loki was their best show that they had by a country mile uh, on on Disney Plus. So, and they're they're going to probably try to drum up hype since they're filming 
season two right now anyway. So I don't know. I, I could see, I could see uh, Owen Wilson's character popping up at the end. That'd be cool. You could even see a variant of any of them as well. You know? Yeah. Who's, who's to say, who's to say, who's to say, uh, wait, ha- there's my last, last, <laughs> nice. Uh, last prediction for you. Will we see more than one Kang in this film? Yes. hundred percent is my guess. I genuinely don't know any spoilers or this. I didn't look at any reviews or anything, so I I have no idea. I think it would, it would be important to show that there's multiple Kangs because that's like kind of the whole purpose of this phase. Right. Right. Like there's uh, the guesstimations of, of this Kang not being like the superior. Ooh, could be fantastic Four. Oh, Oh, that would be crazy. That I don't know crazy. that it's yeah, they 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 they're a starting far to out. a little far yeah, but, out. It's but possible. he he's a descendant from from Reed Richards, uh, and, and he's a he's a fantastic four villain in the comics, and he was an Avengers villain, but you know, could see that. I'm not saying they show it, but they like pop up to the Baxter building or something like that, and then right. you see it could be Doctor Doom. That's a good one too. I doubt it, right? They well, got they're it's they're gonna possible. be connected for secret wars, they're gonna be connected. They have to be connected at some point. It could be a doom, doom. Oh my god, that'd be that'd be crazy. That'd be, be sick. I doubt that there would be such negative reviews if if doom showed up, or like, but it's a post credit scene. They're not going to come. True. That, that's yeah. true. People are people are better than that now. They've learned. They've learned. Uh, yeah. My prediction as well is that there'll be multiple kangs. My off the wall prediction is, or off the rails prediction, I should say, is that the kang that we see for the most of this movie, or maybe the first portion of this movie, is not a superior level kang. And we lose one early. I think that's possible. Oh, ooh! Yeah. I, I think like I think we That'd could see. I think we can see a, a more superior level Kang, like a, a true conqueror level Kang, wipe out the first Kang we see, and be like, "Yeah, that motherfucker was weak." Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like Respect. that a lot. No, I don't know. Maybe. Not Never me. know. <laughs> Not me. Again, Paul Rudd. Shout out. That guy's a national treasure. All right, Alec. Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Go Chiefs. They won the Super Bowl. The Eagles did not. Um, that was fun for us, and we all won money. Shout out to us. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all we got. Subway Sports Talk, Apple Podcast app, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, check out the Basketball Podcast Network, which we are part of for all your basketball content, as well as hit us up on YouTube at Subway Sports Talk, subscribe, notification bell, etc., as well as on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Subway Sports Talk. I'm Pete Kennedy for Alec Argento. That is all we have. Cheers.